Do you have a backstory to the first time you went out in the field? How about the first time you photographed or videotaped something? The first time you saw your name on a byline? Or how about the first time you failed getting an assignment in on deadline? Introducing Behind the Backstory with your host, me, Natalie Shafari. This podcast of mine encompasses the backstories of all media specialists, journalists, photographers, you name it. You're listening to our fifth episode. That's right, our fifth episode. Thank you to all those who have tuned in. It's been a great process. I've had a lot of fun interviewing all the guests that have come on my show before. And today I also have with me three guests. I know the last time you listened to us, we had three. And this time we are so lucky to have three. And my first guest who's over the phone is Lauren Raposa. Lauren is a graphics production assistant at Hardball with Chris Matthews at MSNBC in New York City. Lauren, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Of course. Now, um, as a disclaimer, like I said with Ashlyn in the last episode, I worked with Lauren at The Chew. Um, We were both interns there, and um, I think we've both grown after The Chew into, I think, really awesome media professionals. So I'm super excited to get to know her more on a real, real personal level because uh, at The Chew, it was a lot of 6 a.m. calls, and half of us were, you know... (laughs) tired oh there were many of those tired half the time it was it was a little rough um but so worth it um so lauren i have to ask i mean give me the backstory as to how you got started in media a lot of the college students that i interview a lot of them either do know what they're going into or don't so so you know disclaimer um i have no idea what i'm doing (laughs) and i don't think i ever will because i treat every day like a learning experience Mm -hmm. um so coming into uh gosh i'll go back all the way to beginning college i was not a journalism major i actually started uh, as a dance major at university at their bfa dance program Uh and i always kind of knew that I wanted to do something with media Mm -hmm. Um, and dance was always a love of mine, but I kind of wanted to pursue new loves, new passions, right? something that I hadn't really ever, um, you know, done before. I had no experience in and um, this love of media kind of came from my dad and I staying up late to watch Saturday Night Live, you know, when I was supposed to be in bed sleeping and and that's kind of my love for television and Specifically, uh, NBC came into play. So Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting because I didn't get accepted into Rutgers. I only got accepted into their dance program. So I kind of went through the back door. Okay. um, And I auditioned. And then, like I said, I got into the dance program, did Mm -hmm. a semester of that. And then I started working towards uh, the School of Communication and Information within Rutgers. Eventually, I transferred myself into journalism and media studies. And from there, uh, I just wanted to do as many internships as possible because mm-hmm. at that point, I really had no idea what I wanted for myself in this field. Right. It was new and scary, and so I yeah. just wanted to put myself out there as much as possible, and I ended up doing three internships. Wow, uh, that's awesome. Two semesters, thank you, two semesters at New Jersey 101.5. Nice. Uh, one semester at Food Network's Chopped, and then two semesters with you Yay. at ABC's The Chew, which was wow. my favorite internship. <laughs> I know. I loved The Chew. It was so great. Disclaimer, The Chew is great. Even though they're not with us anymore on the network, they are so wonderful. Um, Always be so in our hearts. That's, that's so funny. I would have never guessed that you went in as a dance major and then kind of worked your way in between the lines, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, they're they're complete opposites. Like, yeah, I 
I just knew that I, as much as I loved dance, I knew I didn't want to turn it into a professional thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep it as a good childhood memory of mine and not have to rely on it to pay the bills, you know, mm-hmm. and I wanted to pursue something else. And, and, and media was the next logical step. So that's how I decided to do that. And um, still learning, like I said, mm-hmm. but um, the internships definitely helped. Um I was going to say, because I say... not every internship was a good one. Yes. Um, Not saying about the Chew, the Chew was amazing, but there were some others where it was kind of mundane or the typical, Uh oh, I'm going to get coffee for the executive producer. Yeah. Um, And I sometimes didn't feel like I was worth that much to the team. Mm -hmm. But, you know, through the... Until the end of all my internships, I did realize that even if you're at the bottom of the food chain, you still mean something to the team and you're still learning something. And uh-huh. if that's not something you want to do, then you know that. And you would have never known that. If I know. I think internship. I think internships are honestly like the best way to figure that out because I was the same yeah. way. I did so many internships throughout college and at different places and at different, you know, cities. And, you know, I think to anybody out there that wants to get involved in media, like literally take the internship that you might not think you may like or or for a network right. or for a place you may not think you may want to work for because it answers some of those questions. And it's like, okay, yes, I definitely want to do this or no, I definitely don't want to do that. To make that point even bigger, um, I work at MSNBC right now, which I love to pieces and I'm so happy I'm here. Um, but politics, it's not the thing that I think that I would have ever been doing. And right. I don't know if I'll continue. And you work for a I mean a I hardcore show. <laughs> you work for a you real know? hardcore show in politics if that's not exactly your beat or like your favorite thing to do in media. There's a bunch of things here that I've identified as, oh my gosh, this is something that I want to have more of. Like no my way. amazing team. They're great and they give me so many access so much access to resources mm-hmm. around the building. Um, learning how to edit tape is a big one. And, and I uh-huh. think they, you know, kind of sense like, oh, maybe politics isn't for her. Right. But we're going to help her figure out what she does like to do within the building. And that's awesome. And sure like that you, you need support systems like that. Not just in New York City alone, but all over uh-huh. the country. It's crazy, like, how close-knit you become with these people and how much they want to help you succeed, even if they know, all right, you know what, like, she's not 100% okay with certain, like, skill sets, but we're going to help her regardless because, like, that's what somebody would have done for us. Exactly, exactly. It's it's a very small world, and it gets smaller every day. My friend and I like to joke about that because it's so true. And uh-huh. uh, both of us work on the hardball team. Both of us went to Rutgers, and... You know, oh, that's we'll be nice. We're around the building one day, and we'll run into another person who went to Rutgers that we had no idea worked here, and we're like, "Oh, uh, another one on our team." We and love it's that. Just kind of like that family. Mm-hmm. Or if you know, we run into someone who interned at the Chew with us, and you know, I'm going to associate them. Like, oh, they mm-hmm. were a hard worker, and I'm going to help them if they need any help. And I'm sure they would do the same for me because if you exert good energy and a good attitude into the world, you're definitely going to get it back. That's how I see it. What was that process like kind of figuring out your niche when when you were applying to jobs? Because I don't think a lot of people talk about that. It's more or less, oh my gosh, it's so crazy. Oh my gosh, you know, there's just so many applications you have to send out. But I mean, it's kind of like the same thing. You're kind of like finding your niche like all over again. Yeah, you really are. And I, 
I really thought that my niche was entertainment TV, and who knows, maybe it is, and obviously mm-hmm. that's not where I am right now, and that's okay, right? you know, and um, when I was applying uh, the summer after I graduated, I made sure that I took a break before I started yes. doing any of that. Yes. A lot of people saw it as a race. Like, I want to get hired first. I want to go here first, do this first, do that first. But I just wanted to make sure that this is my last summer. Yes. I'm going to spend it how I want to spend it. And then around October, I started applying and I got this job. It wasn't in my quote-unquote niche, uh, but it was the company that I had always dreamed of working for. So that's what really pulled me in. That's what really attracted me to the job. Um, Also, I'm a graphics PA, and I – have never touched Photoshop in my life. Right. You know? Um, so so I'm sure that was that I, crazy. I was like, oh, I don't know if I could do this because it's not really something I've ever done before. I wouldn't uh-huh. classify, classify myself as uh, being proficient in Photoshop or making graphics. But it's it's really where that good team came into play. And they mm-hmm. helped me learn everything. And, and um, the the old graphics PA who was leaving was great at training me, and oh, we love that. I mean, now I'm I'm really happy where I am. It's not where I want to be in a year or two years, but for right now, I'm happy with it. Is mm-hmm. it my niche? I don't think so, mm-hmm. but I'm within a really great company, and I want to stay here for a while. So I'm very satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? I'm really happy that the two things I just want to point out for for everyone that is listening, it's you know, taking that break and taking that time for yourself is so important. Like you said, it, it's not a race. Everybody gets where they need to be eventually. And I think that's so important to like, to really hone in on. But also, I like how honest you are about, you know, the whole experience is like, you know, I love where I am. Is this where I'm going to be in a year or two? I don't know, probably not. But I'd love to stay within the company. Like, I think that's really important, especially as a young professional for yourself and then you to recognize because, it's so hard to like look at someone and be like, "Oh, she's great. Like she'll be there forever." Mm-hmm. It doesn't. And you know what? Like so many things can happen in a matter of three to six months, even at like that kind of pace. Oh, most definitely. And an- another thing to to add on to that is, you know, if you just vocalize what you want to the people around you. Uh, you know, my senior producer, HR, my teammates, you know, I've, I've tried to make conversations with them, telling them what I want to do mm-hmm. after I'm done being a PA, because I'm only contracted here for a year. So there is right. an end date eventually, it's mm-hmm. creeping up slowly. I, I make sure that they know, like, this is what I want to do next. I'm really interested in doing this. And that's how they know, because no one can read your mind. Yeah. I always like to make meetings with HR to check in with them and let them know, like, hey, I really liked doing this the other day. I want to do uh-huh. more of it. I want to shadow this person in the building. Or, you know, I did an informational with this person, and mm-hmm. I don't think that job is kind of cut out for me, but I'm going to keep looking around because, you know, people aren't mind readers. And as long as, as you vocalize what you want, then you'll you will be a step closer to achieving it. Lauren, I just want to say, before I ask you my last question, I want to say thank you so much for all the honesty and all the advice you've given so far. I think your backstory is 
is awesome. And I, again, I think, you know, honesty and communication in any of this is, is so key. So the last thing that I want to ask you is, you know, if you were looking at um, a younger you or like a younger media professional, like who has all this technology and social media and access to a plethora of things that we didn't have when we were going through um, college and such, what what would you tell them? Like, what was one thing about like your life and like looking back, you know, what what would you say to them? Oh, gosh, I think about this a lot, actually. So it's funny you yeah. bring it up. Oh, good. Um, I, you know, if I were to look at a younger version of me, maybe a freshman in college who didn't know anything about what I wanted to do or, you know, a freshman now, I would probably tell them that they need to just get as active and involved within their school as possible. Mm-hmm. Because once you start joining clubs, once you start doing internships, taking awesome classes, meeting professors, you're, you're networking, although it might not seem like it because it's not a very professional right. setting. Uh-huh. You are networking. You're putting a name out for yourself. And if you have a good attitude, you're a hard worker, you prove yourself worthy, then people are going to remember that. Um, mm-hmm. A good example of this is an awesome professor that I have at Rutgers. I'm still in contact with him. He comes up to visit everyone who's a Rutgers alum at 30 Rock sometimes. And, you know, when Hardball was hiring, they didn't really know any people who wanted the job. Like, they uh-huh. had no one. They were kind of scrambling. It was a big timing issue. Um, my friend, who was a Rutgers alum, who's on the team, she reached out to this professor who knows me who said, hey, Lauren is looking for a job. She's applying. She's got a good attitude, and mm. I know her very well, so I'm going to have her send over the resume. And wow. That's literally how I got the job. So my advice would be to anyone who, you know, isn't really sure what they want to do yet, who everything's just unclear, just make sure to put yourself out there because it's scary, but you're supposed to be nervous and uncomfortable in college. You're supposed to make mistakes because that's just the place where you can do them. Right. And it's where you learn. Uh, Well, Lauren, I think... Everything you said has just been so awesome. Again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I know in the midst of your crazy schedule um, with everything going on, um, I just want to say thank you so much, and I wish you, honestly, the best of luck. Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be on. Again, you're listening to Behind the Backstory with your host, me, Natalie Chafari. We have two more guests coming up. Um, One's going to be in the studio. One's going to be over the phone. We're going to continue the great conversation, and uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to Behind the Backstory. In the studio with me right now, I have Quinn O'Neill. He is a journalism student at Southern Connecticut State University and a freelance broadcaster. Quinn, thanks for being with me. Well, thanks for having me, Nat. Yeah, I got you. So I have to ask, I ask all other media, aspiring media professionals, and since you're a freelancer and such, what inspired you to start working in media? Well, I had a, a, a really good friend uh, at Southern Connecticut State mm-hmm. University, my friend, uh, 
my friend Dan Zampano uh, okay. just really got me interested in broadcasting, just a really eclectic personality mm-hmm. he has. Uh, and he was a big sports fan. I mean, throughout high school, I was a big sports fan and really mm-hmm. never knew what else to do with it outside of just watching the Red Sox. Yeah. But, uh, but I, <laughs> but, but I, but I, 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 I got involved at WSIM Radio in at, at Southern Connecticut and uh, just started doing a uh, sports shows and then uh-huh. I started broadcasting and then uh, one thing led to another I guess doing that and I mean right. now I'm trying to make a career out of it. Yeah. So before we were talking before we came on, you did your your call. So I I want everyone else to hear this because. It was it was just so fast and so cool. I can can you do that call for us just one more time for everyone else? Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to WSIM Radio 1590 AM and WSIM or live on the TuneIn app where you can turn tune in anytime, anywhere, online on your mobile device. I love that. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> you just like you you know what you have a voice for this. So Thanks. I so I mean was radio something that you kind of thought you were going to get into with sports or was it just kind of just like come up and you were like all right I'm just gonna go with the flow well I just I, I got into the radio uh and I started I did I did <laughs> as a freshman making a, a, a classic mistake I, I I scheduled a radio show for something like eight o'clock in the morning as a commuter mind you why 30 I don't know I don't know I was like <laughs> oh it's gonna be called it's gonna be called acoustic cafe and I'm gonna have so much fun waking up and with my coffee <laughs> sitting in the station uh, and no it was it was it was it was living hell and, uh, <laughs> uh, it was definitely not uh not sustainable but uh-huh. uh, that uh, through that I met I met I met Dan and, uh-huh. and then I started broadcasting doing basketball and football and and eventually baseball and and I've right. got involved in a couple other radio stations around the state, and uh, yeah, uh, it's 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 a lot of fun just working with other people, li- like-minded uh-huh. sports people, yeah, who 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 really know what they're talking about and can have just, I mean, live uh, discussions, just right. uh, ar- be it arguing or whatnot uh-huh. about. So, do you think you'll stuff. end up in radio? I mean, I know you say you're you're going to graduate this year, and you have a lot ahead of you. So, I mean, is that kind of like a goal of yours? Uh, working in radio would definitely, as long as it's something I'm comfortable doing. Right. I mean, I I, I mean packages, and I yeah. can I can do all that. But uh-huh. really, I mean, where I feel like I excel is just improvising, doing play by play. Right. So, uh, I mean. There's a need for baseball broadcasters yeah. for certain minor league, minor league teams and whatnot. Yeah. However, baseball is incredibly difficult and one of yeah. the most. If you, if you're trying to improv baseball, yeah, you got to listen to baseball for for your entire life growing yeah. up doing that. Oh uh, gosh. Yeah, but uh, it takes a, a different level of skill uh-huh. uh, doing. I mean, TV play by play and radio play by play because you're you're painting a picture of something that's right. currently happening in this moment. Yeah. We had a guest on here a couple um a couple shows ago. His name was Gino Cadello and he said that play by play was definitely like his most fun but like the hardest because like he at Sacred Heart University he did a lot of the football games and I mean mm. you're exactly right. You are literally describing play for play for play everything that's going on in that exact moment. I I think I think I think I'd lose my mind. It's 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 it it's it's explaining every play, and then like if there's a motion happening in the stands from yeah. a player, from a coach, you got to you got to describe what's happening right yeah. then and there, and just having your head full of like full of just just words and different ways to describe things without without getting boring. I mean, right? 162 games a year, John Sterling or uh, does it, and I mean Joe uh-huh. Castiglione on a 
on WEI for the Red Sox. A, in, in incredible broadcast, uh-huh. but, but just the way that you can listen to them for hours and hours and hours every day yeah. and not get tired of them. It's, yeah. it's ad- You got to have a admirable. niche for that. Yeah. You really do. Yeah. Do you think you're a particular boring person? I mean, is there any outside stuff that you do that kind of makes you stand out? So I... I used to think I was a pretty boring person. Okay. I, I I got out of high school and I was I wonder like, if you're wondering where I'm getting this to. No, I'm actually not, not mm-hmm. entirely certain. Okay. But, uh, follow-up questions, though. But, yeah, I, I didn't really have any asper- aspirations for every, anything. I really didn't have a particular music taste. I, yeah. I mean, I, I watched the socks, but I, I I learned, I mean, once I got into college, I started immersing uh-huh. myself in some of these interests I had, mm-hmm. and it's 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 a lot of fun. I mean, I, I play I play music uh, and, and make my own uh, sad acoustic music, which is yes. See, that's what I was getting at. Okay. You're not boring. <laughs> I think that's awesome. No, because I think it's really important. Because I think a lot of people in in like our media generation get so engulfed in everything that media has to offer that mm-hmm. they kind of forget that there's like an outside life to it. And like I, so when I was I guess doing my research about you and like just looking up everything, I saw that your band earlier music was something that you had yeah so like i'm wondering do you integrate that into like media at all or like what do you what do you do with that is that just for fun so um i'm so curious my friends have a podcast called emo trash which is which they review uh just emo music uh and and uh, local and whatnot uh which uh that's on spotify and that's that's Uh that's a lot of that's that's i've I've done that a couple times with them and it's a lot of fun Uh uh-huh but uh, actually, I mean, I, all my stuff is on Bandcamp right now, uh, mm-hmm. but it came out a year and a half ago. And actually, uh, a pretty well-known podcast by, uh, if you know, if you've ever heard of The Hard Times, they do, they're, they're like The Onion, but for like, e- for emo music. Okay. And uh, they have a podcast called Fanboys. And they, I, I submitted my album, which I'm, I'm regretting I did, uh, to Ooh. them. To them <laughs> and and they, they, they were like, oh, it's going to be on our episode that comes out today. And I was like, oh uh, my gosh. Ooh. This is great, awesome, and I was like, they're gonna rip this thing to shreds. Oh no! It was poorly recorded. It was just, it was just like, I just wanted to be proud that I got something out there. Yeah. And like, it, I had, I had just started getting into music again, mm. so I, 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 I had said, okay, I'll, I'll put it up there and I'll, yeah. I'll spread it around. And I mean, I got a pretty decent reception because it has a lot huh. of emotion built into it. Yeah. However, I mean, I, I, uh, once, once, once I heard them review it, they were like, they were like, oh, this kid's totally in high school. I mean. Oh. It's like no. it's like I mean this is totally something you can imagine a seventeen year old right yeah. now. I was like I was like okay I was twenty I was but twenty. But you know what? At least yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's it's I, I, they they they, they were ripping it to shreds. But yeah. I, I have no problem getting criticism because uh-huh. I just I mean I'll use that as fuel as just being like okay now I mean obviously I want to make something more complex more right. more interesting to listen to right especially for I mean if it's gonna be talked about on spotify and so you think the reason why even just from your band and media and being um just on the radio and such you think constructive criticism is important to oh, anybody uh, absolutely i mean uh-huh. regardless of what you're doing if you're unable to take like somebody saying like hey i mean this is great but you need to do this if you uh-huh. want to reach other people you need to do this if you want to be more interesting uh-huh. if, if you're going to take that to heart and say like well you got to accept me for me and my music for my music or my broadcasting mm-hmm. for for what it is it's not you're not you're not cut out for for really yeah. being a personality being being right. media because it's right. always working and inventing yourself and yeah. trying to be just more interesting mm-hmm. and and i mean i mean sure there are there are plenty of people in 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 radio and television who really all that interesting of yeah. people that are just You're kind like, of why are you up there <laughs> just boring personalities yeah. i mean uh-huh. but i mean you look at a, you look at a guy who i mean like 
you didn't say not to do this, but I mean, you look at a guy like Steve Harvey and like, okay. and has a lot of controversial stuff you about him. Not to do. I told Quinn he couldn't curse, so I guess this was. I so, had to be very specific. <laughs> so, I mean, St- uh, Steve Harvey has a lot of controversial history, and like, uh-huh. you'll hear about his personal life, and he's really not all that great of a person. Yeah. But the personality that he's able to put out, yeah, just overshadows everything. I mean, if if you're gonna, if you, I mean, I'm all for like be yourself on the radio, uh-huh. uh, and and really, I mean, that's who I've sort of become. I've become right. just this. If you're <laughs> even able to differentiate the two, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it can still work as long as you're you're open to like just being just as the most interesting person that you can be on the radio or on TV. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of what distincts a lot of people. Like when you're hearing about who they are and like what their backstories are and like. You know, like you, you do bring up a good example with Steve Harvey is that like, you know, his backstory isn't all that great, but he knows how to captivate an audience. Mm -hmm. He does. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's, I think that's important for any kind of entertainer in this business is that how you can captivate an audience. It's real. It's if, I mean, I'm not going to say, I mean, treat your social life or or your personal life however you want. No, maybe, I mean, ideally be a good person, please. But (laughs) be nice. Just, just. Just be, be, just be cool. Just be cool. I mean, and, thanks and, for coming to my TED talk. Please be nice to everybody. <laughs> I, I mean, by all means, you do you. But I mean, like when it comes to like like being a entertainer in general, uh-huh. uh, it your goal is to 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 entertain people. And yeah. I mean, if you're not best. if you're not really idea if you're not doing that by being interesting or being funny or just being informative, yeah. I mean, you're. Uh, People are going to tell you. Somebody, oh, yeah. Somebody's going to tell you. Oh, yeah. and if you. And if you take that to heart, it's it's not it's not going to work out for you. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, sure, I mean, it hurts when somebody says, like, I mean, your music sucks, dude. Or, I mean, I mean, I was listening to you on the radio and it, it just was awful. <laughs> hey, I, I don't like your voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, f- fine. I mean, that's cool. I mean, I can't change my voice. But, 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 <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can. <laughs> hey, Kermit the Frog here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, that's so cool. Uh, Do that one more time. Hey, it's a... Uh, Kermit the Frog here on Natalie's uh, podcast, and um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to say I approve. I don't know if you could put that in there. It's definitely it's definitely infringing on something. That's staying. <laughs> That's staying, and I'm letting everyone listen to that. Oh my goodness gracious! But but, but it as long as you're just you're sticking to to who you are, and uh-huh. I mean like if you're if you're happy with what you're doing, yeah, and and I mean people are people aren't saying like oh I mean aren't giving valid constructive criticism then i mean by all means continue doing what you're doing but if if somebody's saying like look this needs to change i'm trying to help you Mm -hmm. listen to them because they can help even if i mean even if it's if uh, talk to other people say like i don't know i mean like do you think i should do this i mean this person said this they'll they'll be like no that's that's, yeah that's obviously not well it's like going back to like that kind of pool like you said of having like a good a good community having people to support you Mm -hmm. and then you know I mean, just taking that. I think to anybody's backstory, I think constructive criticism is is important to mm. grow as a human. Yes. To anybody. Absolutely. Ay, ay, ay. Well, Quinn, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, showing us your, not only your radio voice, but your Kermit the Frog voice. Hey, I mean, like, always happy. you're a man of many talents. I could do, I could do Scooby-Doo. You want to hear Scooby-Doo? Kind of. Yes, do it. Roll, Radley. That is amazing. Those are my two impersonations. I love that. Uh, you're a man of many talents. Thanks. Someone thank you. please hire him immediately. <laughs> Someone please do for a voice actor, radio personnel. I don't even know. Just hire him. Everybody hire him. I'm happy being on the radio.
Oh, man. <laughs> oh, Quinn, well, you're wonderful. Thank you Thanks, so much man. for coming on. Uh, we have one more guest who's going to be over the phone with us um, from New York City. And just stay tuned. And again, this is Behind the Backstory with Natalie Chafari. Welcome back to Behind the Backstory. I'm your host, Natalie Jafari. Again, this is a podcast that encompasses the backstories of all media professionals, specialists, journalists, you name it. And my last guest who's over the phone, her name is Abigail Welty. She is a social specialist at Involved Media in New York City. And Abby, I just want to thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. I'm so glad we have a chance to chat. Yes. So tell me, what what are you doing right now? What Explain to me what a social specialist is. So there's kind of a lot of different titles and names for my job. Um, In the past, I've been a social media analyst. I've been a paid social specialist. Mm -hmm. Basically, if it has to do with social and there's money behind it, it's what I do. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, And, yeah, so you kind of start out in a role similar to this. You would start off as an analyst, and I'm more of an account management position. But basically what it is is we are running the paid social behind some of the biggest brands that you know and love. So I've worked on the past. Yeah, I've worked on the past for primarily Microsoft. Um, Anything that if you're scrolling through your Instagram feed or your Twitter feed or Facebook feed and it says sponsored, then that's me. So I'm the reason why when you're thinking that you're really, really – looking at these new cute shoes and you want to buy them, but you're like kind of bounced around a little bit. You're not sure about the price. So I'm the reason those shoes show up in your newsfeed. What? That's, that's <laughs> like, so it's always like when people say like, Oh, like I'm thinking about this and sudden all of a sudden Instagram knows what I'm thinking and I get an ad for it. Like, Yep, uh, exactly. What? And we're not listening. There's no microphones in your phone. It's just crazy. The, targeting that we do and I basically know the best ways to actually reach the people and give them what they want before they actually want it. That's wild. So that's kind of the easiest way to explain it to uh-huh. everybody because um, it always blows everybody's minds to see like what the what brands are doing and how they actually show up in your feed. Tell me like the backstory behind somebody who wants to like I guess go into a field like that because it sounds like it's kind of a little bit of marketing but also kind of like a little bit of PR. It's technically digital marketing, um, so it's marketing and advertising, and it all really works cross-functionally, and it all rolls up together. I think, and particularly social, it's its own little niche. There's social, so what I do, and then there's programmatic, which is basically if it's not on your Facebook or your Twitter or social channel and it's not on Google, then it's programmatic, so it's basically any it's what ad blocker usually blocks out for everybody (laughs) um (laughs) and then it's search so google search would be the first example that pops up when you search for a new shoe so that's going to be your sponsored post 
So social all falls underneath that digital marketing space. Um, uh-huh. And then social in and of itself has all these crazy little bubbles. So there's, I actually started in organic uh, community management. So that's Ooh. basically doing all the social for a brand, but you're not putting any money behind it. So it's going to be what you see. Maybe one of your friends works at a startup and you follow the startup Instagram account. So that's all going to be organic stuff. Um, for the most part, it's just engaging with your current audience. So somebody like a Wendy's. Wendy's has an awesome example uh-huh. of organic community management. They're really funny. People think that uh, they're really, really creative, and I really hope their community manager <laughs> gets paid a lot of money. Yeah, it's hilarious. Like you're talking about, like on they're Twitter, like, or like Facebook, or Instagram, like the stuff that they put out, like kind of like that way, or like ads. Yep, exactly. Okay, so that's the kind of stuff. So for the most part, a brand like um, a Wendy's, for example, they have a community manager. They're tweeting out organic content and stuff that they've come up with. It's engaging with other brands. Uh-huh. Um, it's acting as the brand and contributing to the brand's voice. Um, so that's all organic stuff, and that's kind of how I got started in this. That's And then I awesome. made my way over to the paid side. So uh-huh. the second you put one one penny behind an ad, then it becomes paid social. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's basically what I do. Um, I would suggest if anybody wants to get into it, um, the best way to do it is to – Start working even on your own personal content. Uh, I know actually a couple community managers who we've had come in for an interview or something, and we've looked at a lot of their social, and if they don't know what they're doing with their own brand or their own stuff, we don't really want them to be controlling the brand of our company. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, so, so true. Like, take- I guess people don't think about that. It kind of goes like hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and my friends make fun of me. They think that I think that I'm an influencer, but <laughs> it's it's really important when you work in social. Even, I mean, it's you definitely don't want to be posting anything that's too ridiculous or out of this world. I mean, right. I have clients that follow me on social. Uh, we just did a book launch for a client pretty recently, and the author follows me on my account. So it's very rarely that I'm going to post something on my feed of me out partying or anything. So right. it's definitely, I would just advise, especially if you're in school right now and you're coming up through college, just be super cautious of what you're posting on your own social, who you're sharing stuff with, because you're your own brand. And it all kind of rolls up once you get to into the actual workforce. I know. It's like, it's almost like kind of like when I always hear my mom, like, did you really need to post that picture with that red solo cup or like, or <laughs> stuff like that? Or like, but even then, like, especially just because I know, because my mother um worked the company she used to work for, she did background checks on everybody. And like, it's so mm-hmm. scary and so sad, especially in media today, like what people don't realize, like what you post, people will find you. Like, it doesn't matter that you're private or anything else. Like, They'll find you. It's like it's like every time when the NFL draft comes up, like, come on, people. There are people that are going through thousands <laughs> of tweets of these guys who have posted the stupidest stuff in college. Like, mm-hmm. and like, do you, come on, that doesn't go away. You know, like, people no, find definitely. you. That stuff does not age well. And I think that's my biggest thing for kids or college students trying to get into the industry. Media, it's so easy basically get caught red-handed doing something that you're not actually doing yeah but it really is it's a really really fun field and if you are the creative type but you're also a little bit analytical it's it's really the perfect paid social is really the perfect role for you Uh it's 
I mean, for me, I've always been more humanities and arts and creatives, but working paid social, it's a lot about analytics and you're seeing what works really well, what doesn't resonate with an audience, but it kind of keeps this balance between the the number side of it and uh-huh. the actual like humanity and creative side of it. And does this actually look good or do people actually like it or does it look really good, but everybody hates it. And, and why is that? So it's, uh-huh. it's really every single day I'm learning something new. It's challenging to me, but I also have gotten to the point where not to brag, but I think I'm pretty good at it. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so You're allowed to brag good. about yourself. I mean, you've gotten to this point so far, you know? Yeah, it's it's so much fun. And I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of cool clients. Um, I had moved to Los Angeles for a little bit. I was working with the Xbox team out there. Uh, I've worked with the Microsoft Surface and Windows teams. And I've worked with a little bit more of their internal data and uh, servers and software. And it's it's been really great. I was mm-hmm. working with Diageo, who owns basically every single alcohol that you can possibly think of. Ooh. I got to go to their their office, and they have a full bar in their lobby. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, man. that's uh, Talk about uh, if you have a rough work day. I mean, like, there you go. Like, yeah, right? You don't got to go very far. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So I think it's I think it's so cool cuz a lot of a lot of on this show we've heard a lot from like media specialists and journalists and like photographers and like we haven't really heard like that kind of like media like you know social side that you've talked about. So like I'm wondering was that um was that something you always were kind of interested in? Like what kind of sparked you into going into that field? So originally I had actually wanted to work in hockey. So I'm a huge Bruins fan and I wanted to work in the NHL. My dad was absolutely obsessed with that idea, uh-huh. um, and my little brother plays hockey, and it's just been something that I've been passionate about, but I realized that I, I had started working for the New Jersey Devils at some point in college, uh-huh. but I realized it was really difficult to break into the industry, and around mm-hmm. the same time, I started working for our school's IT department mm-hmm. because it was the only job left on campus. <laughs> and you're like, money. hashtag broke, someone, get, someone it, pay exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> So I started in there and I was like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. Like, I'm techie enough where I know what I'm doing. But, I mean, a lot of the engineers that I was working with didn't have super great customer service skills. Uh They could fix basically anything that came in. But the second a girl came in crying because her MacBook exploded and she has a paper due, it kind of was on me to actually be the bearer of bad news or communicate to her. And kind of be the front person. So I ended up becoming one of the office managers. And I was like, wow. you know what? I, I'm kind of into this tech startup kind of vibe. Uh-huh. And I started working uh, my first job at Sprinkler. And they're all about social management. And that's kind of how I fell in love with it. Um, it was great working with, I worked directly with a lot of the different channels. So like Snapchat took us go-karting. Um, Facebook took us to a Knicks <laughs> game. Exactly. Like, Twitter took us on a little uh, booze cruise around uh, this marina in Los Angeles. What the and heck? It's just, it's just so much fun. The channels like to take us out. Like, Pinterest took me to a rumble class. So I actually got into one of my favorite workouts now. And so it's it's really cool. It's a lot of – it's a young group but it's also some of the smartest people that I've ever met. Uh-huh. And I kind of fell into it accidentally. You know what? I think that's so funny because I feel like, especially like that you mentioned social media and your own brand, I feel like a lot of people look at social media these days and see what people are doing and like watching their profile and they're like, oh, 
<clears throat> she has it all together. She knows what she's doing. Like, and I love that, like, your backstory is like, nope, I just took a job at IT and I'm pretty good at this. And now I work and do all this social for all these different companies and I'm great. Like, I, I like, I yeah. love that. Like, I think it's that's so crazy. That's so cool. You know? Yeah. It's, and it's something that a lot of people will take for granted. And, like, I, I have a lot of friends who work in a lot of really, really impressive fields. There's some of the smartest people that I know, and they look at what I do, and they're like, oh, she's just tweeting all day. Like, she's just oh, on Instagram or Facebook. No, that's but not what that it's, means. It's, it's so different. The amount of work and effort and money that goes behind some of these budgets and these campaigns is so crazy. And, I like, know. when you see the ad that pops up in your news feed, that took weeks and months of planning and strategizing, and uh-huh. we're doing brand lift studies behind it and A-B tests, and it's just, it's it's crazy. You know, it's so funny. I just, I logged onto my Instagram just now for everybody who's listening, just to see what she actually means, and it's so funny because, like, Jack Rogers sandals, I've been looking at them intensely for, like, me and my mom, and it's just so funny because, like, when they pop up, I'm like, all right, like, who's, like, who, who knows this? How are you reading the text through me and my mother that I wanted these sandals? And it's just, but, like, they're so cool and they're so intricate, like... It's just yep. so crazy how, like, all of that comes into it, you know? It's like what I was oh, told. it's in, insane. It's, you know what? It's, I learned in college, and, you know, and this is what also kind of, like, ruined movies for me a little bit, the kind of marketing that goes into stuff like that, like, how, you know, Audi isn't just the car for that movie, like, by accident, or, like, they're not just drinking Coke or going mm-hmm. to a Burger King because they feel like it. It's, like, those people were paid, or, like, they're getting paid to do that. And once I, I mean, my mind is blown. Every time I watch a movie, I'm like, advertisement advertisement yep. advertisement and I'm like oh, all right not only does working in media and editing and video have ruined this for me now marketing I'm like oh I can't watch movies anymore yep. I can't it's so no, bad it's crazy and then even <laughs> in social so like let's say I don't know like Lion King had recently come out and so let's say that Simone and Pumbaa went to a McDonald's or something or McDonald's was a sponsor of yeah. Lion King so now what we would do if I was running a McDonald's campaign i would say okay i mean we have a ton of people who went and saw mcdonald's mcdonald's is a sponsor of this it was in the movie what i can do through some of facebook's targeting is target people who are interested in mcdonald's who have frequented mcdonald's who have been to mcdonald's locations in the past couple of days people who have been looking at french fries or burger recipes or grilling recipes or people who have watched um the super size me video and so now McDonald's is targeting all of those people who just saw McDonald's in The Lion King or who saw that McDonald's that's, was sponsored or something. So you saw it on the big screen, you saw it in a movie, you saw it on your home TV, and now it's going to appear on your Facebook and you're going to be more likely to be craving McDonald's and yeah. go head over and you'll grab a burger. Oh, see, now I want McDonald's. Like, this is what happens <laughs> when we talk about these things. This is what happens. All right, well, Abby, I have one more question for you. And I know it may be a little bit yep. of a difficult one, but I want you to be completely honest with me. Who mm-hmm. is the coolest company that you've worked for thus far in your career? Ooh, that's tough. Because um, you mentioned I Twitter really and think, Snapchat. Like, I, I'm, I'm very yeah, curious. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, I want to say it's Twitter. I've had some really, really great Twitter reps. Uh-huh. Um, Twitter's my personal favorite platform to uh-huh. use for all my personal stuff. I'll be sitting in my room, I'll be cackling, and everybody knows, oh, Abby's on Twitter. <laughs> and everyone that I've worked there yeah. with 
has just been absolutely incredible. Their office is so cool in New York. They always want to take us to do the coolest stuff and the coolest activities. Oh, We've I can done, imagine. Like charity, charitable events with them uh-huh. around the holidays. We wrapped gifts with Twitter and we donated it to uh, one of the local schools when I was out in L.A. And it's really Twitter's definitely been my favorite partner to work with. Oh, Abby, that's Awesome. Well, you know what? I wish you the best of luck in your career. And you know what? It, now every time I'm going to I'm gonna see a targeted ad, I'm going to think of you. I'm going to be like, oh, that's Abby. <laughs> She's watching me. She knows I exactly. went to McDonald's. Like, <laughs> she gets it. Yep, just get ready for those ads. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Abby, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about what you do and everything that kind of went into it. I think it's, it's really awesome. My pleasure. Of course. Um, Again, you are listening to Behind the Backstory on This Is My Podcast with your host, me, Natalie Chafari. It's been so fun so far having these five episodes. I hope everyone's enjoying them. Ann Lopez is my wonderful, wonderful engineer. She's the reason why all of you sound so amazing. And uh, stay tuned next time for another conversation with Behind the Backstory.